through February 28th, get a choice of offers from Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, like up to 24 months no payments and no interest, or up to $1,125 off a patio door. Get details at PellaWI.com. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. You know, community cities oftentimes come up with, with slogans. They're trying to, you know, brand the community and they're trying to market the community. I, I think if you think about Milwaukee, the most memorable slogan, even though it, it got criticized by some people, was a, a great place on a great lake. I, I, I always I always liked that slogan a lot. But, you know, some people didn't. But you got to change them every once in a while. Think back on some of the really great slogans that, that identify cities. I love New York would be one. Cleveland Rocks is another. How about Las Vegas? Everybody remembers what happens here stays here. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. I don't even think that that's the slogan they use anymore, but everybody associates that with Las Vegas. Um, Austin, Texas, the slogan is keep Austin weird, which is which is very, very, you know, Austin, Texas-ish. But anyhow, these communities spend a lot of time and a lot of effort and sometimes a lot of money trying to come up with a way to brand their particular community. Well, the city of Chicago, over the weekend, rolled out their new slogan. And I think I can say without fear of contradiction, at least in my opinion, this this might be, if not the worst slogan ever, it's got to be in the top five. The slogan, after all this conversation, the slogan that Chicago came up with, Chicago not in Chicago. Chicago, not in Chicago. All right. Now, again, maybe it's just me, but if you hear the slogan, Chicago, not in Chicago, I I think that the first reaction that most people are going to have is, what the heck does that mean? (laughs) What what, what does it mean? Chicago, not in Chicago. And and typically, when you're doing branding or slogans or or things of the like, you you would almost never put a a negative in there. You know, it's Cleveland rocks. It's an upbeat thing. I love New York. You know, what happens here, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Not not a a negative, not a, a not. Chicago, not in Chicago. So if you're wondering what what this is all about, what are they trying to say? Well, the, the thinking is that the people in the mayor's office want people to know about Chicago's influence on the rest of the world. Uh, there, there would be no Ferris wheel in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, without the Ferris wheel, which was invented in Chicago. There would be no San Francisco skyscraper, skyscrapers without the development of technologies in Chicago. No coffee for people in New York without Chicago first having invented the coffee maker. All, all of which might, might be true and it might be attractive. But Chicago, not in Chicago. That's the best that they could come up with. So whenever we're 
thinking about some of the, like the really bad slogans that we've had from time to time, you know, like again, or, or team nicknames here. We're going to change the Marquette Warriors, like I was saying earlier. We're going to make them the Marquette Gold. At least as bad as those things might have been, and Lord knows there's a lot of bad ones out there, <clears throat> we're not Chicago, not in Chicago. See, it's one of those things where I just, you wonder if, if you're sitting around with this meeting where you've got the ad executives and you've got the politicians, and somebody just says, well, this is the big slogan. Here it is. It's Chicago, not in Chicago. You, you just wonder whether it's groupthink or people are just intimidated or whatever, but nobody raises their hand and says, that, that's awful. <laughs> it makes no sense. Nobody is going to understand that. You want something like Cleveland Rocks or I Love New York that you, or a great city on a great place on a great lake. You want something that people can easily understand. Not what does that mean? Chicago, not in Chicago. Okay, let's, let's get started. Um, another day, another horrific crime. Uh, yesterday afternoon, Right as my show was wrapping up, around 2.40 in the afternoon, um, 7,400 block of West Capitol Drive, so close to 76th and Capitol. What happened is an 11-year-old passenger in a car was shot. This is 2.40 in the afternoon on a Monday afternoon. Now, the good news, to the extent that there is any sort of good news, is that the boy who was shot was hospitalized with non-fatal injuries. And again, just like always happens in this case, the police are trying to, to find out what happened. Apparently, according to the, the story, that the, the 11-year-old is in the car with other people, and a car pulls up to the car that the kid is a passenger in, and people open fire from the one car into the other car, and they end up hitting the, the 11-year-old kid. All right? But it, it's... This is 2.40 in the afternoon on 74th and Capitol. And for people who might not be familiar with the city of Milwaukee, Capitol Drive is one of the major east-west thoroughfares in, in, in Milwaukee. If you're trying to go from the lakefront and you want to go out to the, the west side or whatever, Capitol Drive, if you're brave enough, would be one of those routes that you choose to take. So here on a major east-west thoroughfare, 2.40 on a Monday afternoon, you, you've got an 11-year-old kid who's shot because somebody in another car opens fire on the car the kid is in. And, again, the, the good news is the kid is not killed, but the, the bad news is, okay, you have another one of these shootings, you know, at 2.40 in the afternoon. And, by the way, there, there's people that walk on the sidewalks on 74th and Capitol. There's other cars that are at 74th and Capitol. So, once again, we have a story where where there but for the grace of God, you know, go, the, the, go goes everybody because maybe that, that could have been you or it could have been your spouse or it could have been your kids, or it could have been your friends, just driving down the road, 2.40 in an afternoon, not suddenly expecting that you're going to be having to dodge gunfire on, again, a busy Milwaukee thoroughfare. Now, I bring this up simply because... This is just the latest example of, of this. You know, yesterday we were talking about the different homicides that occurred over the weekend. You you look at the crime statistics numbers, and they're just they're 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 mind-boggling. Um, as impossible as this is to believe, 
we have more car thefts this year than we did at the same time last year. And last year we had over 10,400 car thefts in the city of Milwaukee. Last year at this time there were 794, 829. Homicides, this time last year there were 11. And keep in mind, last year with homicides in the city of Milwaukee, they set an all-time record almost unthinkable the number of homicides and last year at this time we had 11 this year the numbers I'm looking at are 24 I think that's low I think there's probably closer to 26 or 27 but regardless we're on pace for 300 homicides this year I mean it's just it's it's just staggering how many people are being victims of crime and things of the like and and the situation with the 11 year old being shot yesterday afternoon is not an aberration so we were talking about this yesterday, and I acknowledge, because of my background, we talk about crime a lot on this program, and my frustration that you know people aren't getting it, that the elected officials simply are kind of like sticking their head in the sand, and every time there's a shooting of a kid, you know, we have the you know obligatory press conferences, and we have people say, oh, this isn't representative of the community, and my argument is, is it is. And, and we need to pay attention to this, and we need to deal with it. Well, I was talking about this yesterday, and I, I got an email from someone that I've been actually thinking about over the course of the last 24 hours. And the email essentially said, Jeff, you should stop talking about crime because it doesn't help. It creates a perception that Milwaukee is dangerous. It makes people less likely to want to travel around the area. So, you know, talking about the homicides, talking about the car thefts, talking about the carjackings, talking about the robberies, talking about the catch-and-release criminal justice system, it doesn't help anybody. And so you, you should just move on. You should stop talking about crime because, well, it, it might discourage people from wanting to, I don't know, come into Milwaukee, or it might discourage people from wanting to drive down Capitol Drive or whatever. Now, I'm paraphrasing the email, but that was essentially it. It's stop talking about crime. Yes, it's bad, but if we bring it up, we just reinforce that notion. Our number, 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. As somebody who, my entire adult life, I, I, I've, every job I've had has been in Milwaukee. Right now, you know, WTMJ is on Capitol and Humboldt, and later on this year, we're going to be moving down to, to the avenue. You know, before that, I worked at... Uh, a law firm that was on Water Street in downtown Milwaukee. Before that, I worked in the federal building, the old federal building, Kitty Corner from the Fister in downtown Milwaukee. My first job out of college before I went to law school was at the old Time Insurance, which was on 6th and Wells. So I've always, I, every job I've ever had has, has been in the, the city of Milwaukee. I grew up around here. I mean, we moved here when I was like 10 years old. And aside from going away to college for a couple of years, I, I've spent my entire life in the, this area. And to me, it's never been this bad. And we, we've, I think, completely and totally lost control. So I understand that there's some people who just say, oh, we shouldn't discuss this. Let's just stick our heads in the sand. Let, let's not talk about what's going on. Let's not talk about the shootings. Let's not talk about the murders. Let's not talk about the car thefts. Let's just kind of pretend 
that there's nothing happening here because if we keep talking about it, we might create an impression that Milwaukee is dangerous. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm sorry, somebody who spent most of his life living in, in Milwaukee or working in Milwaukee or the surrounding areas, it breaks my heart what is happening in this city. The fact that, you know, now... You know, there used to be major, major streets, east-west thoroughfares that you, you wouldn't have any hesitation going on, and now you take your life into your own hands if you do this. Used to break, I would have, never used to occur to me that, gee, you can drive downtown, you find an open spot on the street, you leave your car there, you go into a restaurant. Well, that, that's, I'm sorry, that's not how I operate anymore. I mean, I really think long and hard, if I'm coming into the city of Milwaukee, what am I going to do with my car? And how am I going to get from the door to the restaurant? restaurant out to my car without getting mugged and hopefully my car is going to be there so should we just stop talking about this 855-616-1620 we discuss in a moment back to take your calls here's wtmj's jeff wagner well having one of our discussions about crime yesterday i got this email from someone that said jeff you got to stop you, you say you really care about the city if you really cared about milwaukee you wouldn't talk about crime you, you, you would stop this because it doesn't help, and all you do is you make people concerned about issues when you talk about 25 to 30 cars stolen a day, and you talk about the record number of homicides. It, it's, it's just not helpful, to which my response is, no, what's not helpful is pretending that we don't have a problem. Here's a text, Jeff. Yeah, let's not just talk about it. It'll make it go away. Actually, it would be irresponsible to not talk about it and let people not be aware of what to they what they might expect when they come into the city of Milwaukee. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Dell in West Dallas. Dell, good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I, I got a lot of different comments I, I could make on this. Um, and I'm coming from the aspect that I've, you know, as a second job, I Uber, and a lot of times I Uber at nights. And just a few nights ago, I chased off some people that were driving down the street. You know, it was about 30, 36th and Silver Spring. I chased off some people that were going down some of the quieter side streets, driving up to vehicles, flashing a light, see if there's anything in there probably worth stealing, and then going on to the next vehicle, and I started following them, and I ended up chasing them away. Um, but I, I see so much bad stuff, and what I hate hearing from, like, our elected officials and our DAs and, and stuff is that, well, we need less guns. And then you hear from other people around the state, well, you can't do that. We need more guns because people who don't do that need to be able to protect themselves. I, I think that's a null and void point. I think when we drive around this city and we're trying to be safe, where do we generally feel safer? Where we know there's police. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you know how few police I see up around 51st and Fond du Lac, up around 70th and Silver Spring. You know how few police I see around there out and about? And, and, but you know what? I go downtown, I go to a basketball game, I go to, you know, an event down there, I'm Ubering down there. You know, police I see on a Friday night on, or Saturday night on Water Street, a ton. Why, why can't we do that in some of these areas where there is nonstop violence? Yeah. 
No, I no. Thank, thanks, to call. I, I I appreciate it, though. And I, I mean, look, there, there's all sorts of different solutions, and I guess that that's you know that's I'm going to save that conversation for another day. I guess I just like this idea that there's apparently some people out there that think you, you shouldn't talk about this, that that we shouldn't discuss this, that we should just pretend. I mean. Look, there, there, there's nothing good that came out of that Waukesha Christmas Parade tragedy with the six people that were killed and, and the dozens and dozens and dozens of people who were injured, except finally people are starting to wake up to the fact that you have this these hardcore, dangerous criminals who are being released on, on bail. And so now at least something that I've been trying to talk about for years, now there's other people in the media that are talking about this too. Now we're looking at all these people who are responsible for shooting police officers or committing all these crimes, and so now we're starting to focus on the fact that, oh, this person was out on bail, that person was out on bail. But at least by shining light on this, now people are maybe, maybe, maybe starting to, to wake up. I mean, I'm sorry, I just think it would be irresponsible to say, okay, Let's just pretend these 25 or 30 cars that are stolen every day. Oh, let's just forget about that. Well, well no, you're never going to get a change unless the public finally finds out about this stuff and gets sick enough and mad enough to require something to be done about it. Bob in Greenfield. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. I mean, if you watch the news, you, you can hear what's going on in Milwaukee and I used to, uh, I'd be, I was a half-season ticket holder for the Milwaukee Admirals, and I used to go down there all the time up until the uh, Bradley Center closed. And I had my routine, and, you know, I didn't, you know, I parked in a lot, you know, I just had it all down to a science the way I did it. And now I'm not a season ticket holder, but I think I'd like to maybe go to a game or a wave game or a buck game, and I always come to the thought, is it worth it? You know, I mean, do I really want to expose myself to the possibility of being involved in the uh, the crime statistics of Milwaukee to go down and see an event. Or I used to like this restaurant on Oakland and uh, Locust, this Middle Eastern place. It's my favorite. But we have Middle Eastern places in um, Greenfield. They're not as good as the one at um, Oakland and Locust. But I don't know if I want to go park there. You know, it's not that good of parking. It's right next to the, um, the Cedar area, a little west. And I, I just come to the conclusion that, right. you know, anybody who wants to steal a car probably also wants to get their hands on a gun. You know, that's the new yeah. thing now. you got to have a gun if you're a player in Milwaukee, you know, and it's just, it's not getting better, <clears throat> and it's important for this to be out there because, I mean, it's going to creep. You know, eventually right. it's going to creep into other areas. You know, they're, they're mobile, they have weapons, you know, they're, they're going to want right. to go west or south or... Yeah, so I think it's important that this is out in the news or this is being conveyed to the public because, I mean, yes. I no, you want people to be outraged. I mean, just driving. No, yeah, I, just Bob, driving. you think so, Bob? You, you, you mean you're absolutely right. I mean, look, there are there are multiple ways that I can go to work. You know, from my from my house to get the Capitol Drive and. There are some routes that I just choose not to take because when you drive them on an almost daily basis, you will see people blowing through red lights and passing you on the right at three times or twice the speed limit and things like that. So you make these various decisions. But I guess one of the frustrations I've had for the longest time is I I think – 
Tom Barrett, the ambassador to Luxembourg, I, I think he ran out of ideas a long time ago when it came to, to crime. Well, okay, we, we have a new generation of leaders that are coming in, and I think it's time to start to hold their feet to the fire and understand that this stuff has to happen. But that, that stuff can't happen if we stick our heads in the sand and pretend that there's no problem. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Jeff, my employer is moving our office to downtown Milwaukee. As soon as I heard the news, I started looking for a new job. I don't feel safe working in there. Please keep talking about crime in Milwaukee. It is absolutely necessary. Um, you know, there's there's no question about that. And, and yeah, as long as I'm doing this show, especially because of my background in the U.S. Attorney's Office and stuff, and my belief that, you know, if you don't get a handle on a crime problem, Nothing else good comes. I mean, you, you don't you don't have businesses that want to relocate in a community where they're worried that their employees are going to get shot and their businesses are going to be held up and their customers are going to be carjacked. No, you've got to get a handle on crime before any of this other stuff happens, and we're doing a lousy job of that right now. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Wondering what 2022 will have in store? Well, join us. That's WTMJ on Thursday, February 17th for a day-long broadcast on the topics that impact your everyday life, politics, the economy, health, and more big issues from big names on the biggest stick in the state. WTMJ 2022, Thursday, February 17th from 9 in the morning till 6 in the evening, presented by Annex Wealth Management and sponsored by the Bartolotta Restaurants. Find more information at WTMJ.com. All right, I understand that vaccinations for COVID continue to be a controversial topic. I, I get it. About, what, about 70% of Americans are, are vaccinated, a smaller percentage are, are boosted, and we're pretty much at this point in our society where people are kind of dug in that they're either going to get vaccinated or not going to get vaccinated. I do not want to have that conversation. I'm tired of that conversation. But there are consequences for different decisions. Here's the, the story, and this is in the Washington Post. There, there's a guy, his name is Chad Carswell. He's 38 years old. He has suffered for years from severe kidney disease. In July of 2020, he started on dialysis, but now his kidneys are functioning at just 4%, which is really, really bad. He applied for a kidney transplant. And under normal circumstances, he would qualify for that. But he was turned down because he has not received a coronavirus vaccine. Um, and so the hospital said, look, we, we can put you on the list. Your condition is, is a ticking time bomb. And, and you got to know that. But the hospital's requirements are that organ recipients be vaccinated against the virus. And so he says, well, no, there is not a situation in this world that would make me get a vaccine. If I'm laying on my deathbed and they tell me you have a kidney waiting on you, if you get the shot, I'll tell them I'll see you on the other side. 
And then the story in the Washington Post goes on to talk about, you know, a couple other people. There's a guy in Massachusetts who was denied a heart transplant because he refused to take the coronavirus vaccine. And again, last October, there's a story about a woman in Colorado who, again, you know, was eligible for a kidney transplant. But the transplant center, the hospital, said, we're, we're not going to do this unless you decide to get vaccinated. In all these cases, the hospitals are saying we've got these policies that require all transplant recipients to get vaccinated because we have research that shows that patients are at a lot higher risk of dying from COVID-19. Studies estimate the mortality rate of transplant patients who contract COVID at about 20 to 30 percent. And so these hospitals are saying, look, here's the deal. Let's talk about heart transplants. There are more than right now 100,000 patients waiting for organs. About half of them don't receive an organ in five years. And so given the shortage of available organs, they want to make sure that a person who gets a transplanted organ has the greatest chance of survival. All right, let's tee this up. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You have people that are very, very sick who under normal circumstances would be eligible for the heart transplant. They'd be eligible for the kidney transplant, but they're being told you've got to get vaccinated in order to qualify for this because the concern is if you get COVID, um, you're more likely to get COVID if you haven't been vaccinated. And if you haven't been vaccinated and you do get COVID, the chances of you having a bad reaction is dramatically more. So, no, it's real simple. Get vaccinated and then you can have the transplant. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this an unreasonable position for a transplant center to take? We'll discuss in just a minute. 855-616-1620. This is Jeff Wagner. Start planning for your retirement today so you enjoy retirement tomorrow. Tune in to the Retirement Ready Show, Saturday afternoons at 1 and Sunday mornings at 7, where Tony Drake and his Education First team discuss retirement trends, taxes, inflation, and Social Security benefits to help you achieve a more secure financial future. Join us this week as we talk about a shocking number of professional athletes find themselves bankrupt soon after ending their careers. Let's take a look at some lessons from these bankrupt athletes. Retirement Ready with Tony Drake on WTMJ. Hey, have you seen prices lately? Like, have you been at the grocery store anytime soon? The price of meat, the price of milk, the price of bacon, your last gas fill-up, you name it. Not to mention the utilities in your home. So how do you fight back? Well, you fight back by upgrading to Pella Windows and Doors. Upgrading your home with energy-efficient Pella Windows and Doors can have a dramatic effect on heating and cooling costs. You see, Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin offers some of the most energy-efficient replacement windows in the industry. More importantly, you can do this. Pella of Wisconsin makes it easy with financing choices to fit almost any budget through February 28th. You can even choose up to 24 months, no payments and no interest, or up to $1,125 off a swinging or sliding patio door. When it comes to choices, Pella offers a full six lines from luxurious wood, affordable vinyl, and slick yet sturdy impervia that's ten times stronger than Fibrex. All Pella lines come with a limited lifetime warranty and a 10-year installation warranty. Listen, why continue to let your hard-earned money leak out your old windows and doors? Say Pella now and pay yourself back year-round. Set your free consultation today at PellaWI.com. Some restrictions apply. See their showroom for details. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 
855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I, I, I get... Whenever we talk about vaccinations, I, I get all sorts of heat from both sides because as somebody who is vaccinated and is boosted, I, I think it makes sense to do that. On the other hand, I, I'm not one of these guys who believes that the government should drag people out of their houses and, and force people to get the in- injection. So I, I, I think I have a kind of nuanced view of this. Having said all that, if look, you, you've got somebody whose kidneys aren't working, who's you know uh, you're on the heart transplant list. I don't think it is unreasonable to say, hey, you you got to get vaccinated if you're going to stay on this list. To me, it's the same thing as saying if you've got somebody with chronic alcoholism, for example, who's on the liver transplant list. It, it's like saying, okay, a condition of getting this transplant is you got to stop drinking, and, and because we we know that if we give you this new lever liver, and that means you get the liver and somebody else doesn't and you go right back to drinking we know the chances are that this isn't going to work i I guess i I don't see this as being any materially different than that um 855-616-1620 let's start with chris in milwaukee chris you're on wtmj hi how's it going good what do you think i think your well i think your your alcohol example was a great point um i just i just don't understand why we're at the point where you already so you're going to trust a doctor to do a transplant, and but you're just going to say no um, because I don't believe in vaccines. You know more than the doctor. What what are we doing? This is ridiculous. Just well, I, you know, I, I, I really well, just, think they I'm should thinking, be charging. Go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say. No, I'm sitting here thinking I, that this guy, his kidney function is down to four percent. So, you know, you're not going to be able to live long with that. You've been on dialysis for a couple of years, and they're saying, okay. I mean, I guess he has so many more health problems than worrying about, you know, whether, you know, five years from now the COVID vaccine could cause him a problem or not. I mean, it's this immediate thing. If he doesn't get that transplant, you know, it's he's not going to be around for years to worry about it. So I just don't understand why you would get the – why you wouldn't in that case get the transplant – why you wouldn't get the shot so you could get the transplant. Well, it's not a case of where, like, you don't trust doctors, so you're not getting vaccinated, or you don't want to go to the hospital. These are people that want to be treated. So maybe follow doctors' advice. (laughs) I don't understand what's going on here. I think that insurance companies should should be dropping people for not getting vaccinated, clearly, because, I mean, they drop people for for, for smoking, for, you know, alcoholism and stuff like that. This is... This is getting to a point, and I know this was political to begin with, which is ridiculous, and it shouldn't be, because it's just public health. So I don't That's, understand why people are taking such a stance on this when it is, well, people are looking well, it, it, you, it, well, you know? Yeah, again, and now, Chris, now, th- thanks for calling. Now, again, I, I don't want this to morph into the larger discussion about, you know, vaccinations or not, but in a case like this where you are really, really sick to be the point where you, you need a transplant. Look, I, I you know, if, if you've ever had yourself or you've ever had a loved one diagnosed with a terminal and or life-threatening disease, you, you know that the doctors will will prescribe all sorts of things. So say, look, you you you've just you you got to you've got to do this. You've got to make this change. You've got to make that change. You've got to do these different things in an effort to try to prolong your life. And if you decide not to do that, well, you take it at your own risk. Now, one of our texters says, Jeff, I'm surprised you compared alcoholism to getting vaccinated. The current strain of coronavirus is not a death sentence. 
Right. For, for most people, it's not. I understand that. But we are talking about here a certain subset of people, people who are very sick. Their livers are failing. Their hearts are failing. Their kidneys are failing. And in that certain subset, what they find is if people get COVID, it dramatically increases the chances that they are going to die because they are at risk. So for that particular subset, I don't know if it's a death sentence or not, but it definitely increases the risk that bad things are going to happen. So if you've got, a, a, and given the fact that we, we don't have enough kidneys and hearts and, and um, lungs and livers to, to go around, you have to, I think, pick and choose, and you do have to make some decisions as to, all right, who's going to have the best chance of, of surviving? And this is just one of the criteria that they're using. And I guess I don't think it's an unreasonable criteria. And honestly, I, I mean, in all truth, if, if this was my, my brother or my nephew or my child or my father who is sitting there, you know, on this list refusing to get the, the, the shot, this would be one of these conversations saying, you know, what, what's going on here? We, we want you to continue to be with us, get the, get the vaccination, get on the list, get the transplant, and then if the vaccination causes some problems way down the line, well, good. That, that would be a nice problem to have if we have to discuss the impact of this. 10 years down the road, because if you don't get the transplant, you're not going to be around anytime. Let's talk to David in Salem. David, you're on WTMJ. Hi there. I think Hi. I think it's kind of an easy, easy thing. And, you know, it's interesting because it seems a little hypocritical. They don't they don't believe in medicine, don't believe in science and that. But they're willing to go into the hospital and get and get a transplant. You know, the same thing goes with, again, people don't want to get vaccinated and so on. But I'll bet you when they're on death's door, they'll go and be and be put on a ventilator. I mean, it's just common sense. I'd go. I'd go one further. I'd say, look, you don't want to get vaccinated. We're going to figure out what the cost is of that to society. You're going to pay forty percent more for your insurance. And no, you can't leave your house. You can't. You can't. When well, you leave your house, you can't go to Walgreens. Can't go to a grocery store. Can't go to a movie. Can't go to work. Can't go all of these places. When we start doing that, we're going to get control of this thing. Well, thanks for the perspective, David. I appreciate it. Again, I don't look. I, I don't. And I, I'm, I'm kind of worn out about the mandatory vaccination type of topic. I, I, I admit that you're not going to change people's minds. People are dug in on on both sides of, of the issue on this. But but this this to me is a variation. This is all right. Given it's one of our texters making the point that you know, if you're talking about hearts or lungs or kidneys or livers or whatever, it's not like a free quart of oil. I mean, these are things that are very very hard to get they are very rare there's not enough of them to go around so to me it's it's sort of like it's kind of like triage remember the old tv show mash you know and, and you'd have all the casualties that were were coming in and all the doctors would run out and they, the casualties are coming off the helicopter and, and they're sitting there and they're making these evaluations and they're saying okay we've got a limited amount of resources we've got a limited amount of doctors so here here's what we have to do we have to look and we have to say okay this person they're, 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 the injuries are too bad, they're, they're not going to make it. Or the chances of them making it aren't great, um, the chances of this person making it are more, this person can wait. You have to do that kind of triage stuff. In this particular case, I think with the, the transplants, it's the same sort of argument. You don't have enough to go around. So what you want to do is you want to make sure you have a set, different sets of criteria, but one of the things is, you know, 
we, we want to transplant these organs into people that have the greatest chance of success. And it's a real simple thing. Look, and even if you get vaccinated, it's, it's no guarantee that you're not going to get COVID, and it's no guarantee that you're not going to have a bad reaction. But the statistics are, are undeniable that you, you increase your chances of coming through this. So to me, this is something that makes sense. Like what I guess, I mean, again, I, I respect individual decisions, but I do, I'm, I'm looking at this story in the Washington Post, and I do find myself wondering, what, what is this guy thinking? I mean, seriously, if, if the choice is getting a kidney transplant and living, and, or getting a, a vaccine, but to do that, you need a vaccination, and your response is, I'm not going to get vaccinated, I'll see you on the other side? I just that 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 to me is mind boggling, regardless of how you feel about vaccinations in general. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. And this is Jeff Wagner. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I just sent out a link to a story because I've been bombarded with with emails on this particular topic. And, And it's interesting because it's coming. I'm I'm hearing from people, including people I know who are both on the right and on the left and, and in, in the middle. So th- this isn't as, as political as, as people might think. It, I, and I, I sent out a link to a story that's in the New York Post, but you, you might have seen that the halftime performer for the upcoming Super Bowl in you know, two weeks, the, the lead performer is going to be Snoop Dogg. You know, the the former rapper, the present rapper who's now doing Corona commercials and things of the like. And it's an interesting piece because it goes back through a lot of, I don't know, the, the songs and stuff that, that Snoop Dogg has come out with. And, you know, whether it's, you know, endorsing the no snitching culture um, things like that and, and other stuff that I, I can't really mention on the radio. It, it's just really interesting because you, you've got the Super Bowl and the NFL that, that's always at least tried to make the appearances of being kind of a, at least a family fen- friendly type, type of show. And it's interesting that they would go with, with Snoop Dogg. Now, I'm not going to devote time to really doing a full topic on this. And I, I think people have their own minds made up about the NFL. But if you want to check this out, it is interesting, um, that, that of all the different performers that Roger Goodell could choose to headline the, the halftime show at the Super Bowl, which is probably going to be the most watched event of the year, he chooses Snoop Dogg. All right, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner 620 Got a link to that story. Back with much more in just a couple minutes. Don't go anywhere. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Just two texts that came in during the break to kind of give you a perspective on what we were talking about at the end of the hour. The the, the guy who is on the, the transplant list, whose kidneys are only operating at 4%, who doesn't have that much time left unless he gets the transplant, and he's refusing to get vaccinated. And as a result, he, he's not eligible because the hospitals are saying, well, look, we, we want... We want to have the best chance of these transplants succeeding because it's so difficult to find the organs, and, and so one of the things is you got to get transplanted. You got to get the, you got to get the vaccination because if you get COVID, um, your chances of surviving, particularly in this situation, are, are not great, and, and we don't want to quote unquote waste an organ. That that might sound 
harsh, but that's what they're saying. Here's two texts that came in. Jeff, I am awaiting a kidney transplant. I am vaccinated and boosted. I will do anything to get that transplant. We need more donors. I believe the gentleman should rethink his choices, to which I said, you know, amen. That's one of the things I just don't understand. If I was... In that situation where your kidneys aren't working or your heart, you need desperately need a heart transplant, that the last thing I would be worrying about, candidly, is whether I'm going to get a vaccination or not. Here's another text. Jeff, my beloved sister is in line for a transfer. She has dramatically changed her life so she can be ready when she's up. Her family has made adjustments to our lives to support and encourage her because it's that important. When you get in line for a transfer, you sacrifice. If you aren't willing to sacrifice your freedom, you need to get out of the line so everyone else behind you moves up. I guess that that's kind of how I, I look at it. And if, if the gentleman wants to take the attitude that, well, okay, if I if if in order to save my life and get these new kidneys, I've got to get vaccinated, I'll see you on the other side. That, that's certainly his right to take that position, but. Man, I just don't understand it. Okay, here's the deal. I got an interesting text. We we, we talk a lot about um, reckless driving and and all those things. But if you're a regular listener to this program, you you know that I'm a big advocate of what I call the broken window style of policing, and that is that the little stuff makes a difference. And if you concentrate on little stuff. A lot of times you stop things from becoming bigger stuff. And, and that's, you know, that's the attitude they took in New York. I understand Rudy Giuliani, at, at one point in time, he was like America's mayor. And I understand that with all the, the stuff over the last several years and the associations with the, with President Trump and the, the let's try to like argue that the election was stolen and stuff, that, that Rudy Giuliani, Giuliani's in many respects become a caricature of himself. But, but back in the day, I mean, he started out as the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York and then later as the mayor of New York. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for cleaning up the city and part of that was look we're the little stuff matters and we're going to concentrate on the small stuff to stop it from becoming large stuff and he really revitalized that community now unfortunately we, we've gone the other way and new york's becoming in many cases certain areas of downtown are becoming a, a cesspool of urban violence but but for a while for a while he ended up cleaning it up so with that being said got an interesting email the other day or yesterday from somebody who said Jeff I've got something I'd like you to explore and it made me think he said um, I drive around the area a lot I would say I am stunned at the number of cars I see driving in Milwaukee and surrounding areas without license plates I, I've started counting and I would say typically I usually see about 30% of the vehicles that are on the road don't have license plates. How many of these cars are unregistered, uninsured, driver with no driver's license, car involved in the theft? Have you noticed the same thing? I think it might be an interesting topic. And and I really I got to thinking about this, and this would be my challenge to you. As you're, as you're driving to work, as you're driving home, as you're driving the kids to soccer practice or to basketball practice or, or whatever, you know, look around, and I think you too – will be stunned by the number of cars that you see on the roads that, that don't have license plates. And I think the, the emailer makes a really interesting point because 
in most cases, maybe not all, but in most cases, if the car doesn't have a license plate, well, the car's probably not registered. It might be stolen. The chances of the car having insurance if you don't have a license plate are probably slim to none, and slim is getting on a bus um, out of town. Um, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Have you noticed this phenomena as well, driving around an inordinate number of cars that don't have license plates? And I guess then the question is, you know, what do we do with these? Should we be aggressive in stopping cars with, without the plates? And if, I don't know, there's not a satisfactory explanation for why the vehicle doesn't have plates, like it's stolen, like it's unregistered or whatever, is it time to get the driver out and then to have the driver start walking? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The flip side would be Wagner. Look, you're the guy that's talking about all the car thefts. You're the guy that's talking about all the, the murders. You're the guy that's talking about all the carjackings. You're the guy that's talking about the high-speed chases at 95 miles an hour. Do you really think it's worth the police's effort to stop cars that are being driven without license plates? And my answer would be, yeah, I think it is. 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. This week's sponsor for the Jeff Wagner Home Improvement Showcase is our presenting sponsor, Great Midwest Bank. From Madison to Milwaukee and all parts in between, Great Midwest Bank is your simply local equal housing home renovation lender. Contact them, 888-485-4400, or visit them at greatmidwestbank.com. This is one of the great things I love about doing a, a, a live radio talk show. I was just talking about the email I got from a guy saying, hey, I've been driving around a lot, and I just noticed, my guess is, I'd say 30% of the cars don't have license plates on them. You know, what's going on with that? Why aren't they being stopped? Because if, and he surmised, and I don't think it's an unfair thing, if you're driving around with a lot of license plate, the car's probably not registered, good chance the person who's driving it doesn't have a driver's license, and you know darn well that the car's probably not insured. Why is that? So here's one of our texts. Jeff, I am listening to you I'm driving on 43 South right now. I swear I have seen at least four to six cars without license plates in the last few minutes. I agree with you. Something is not right. Mike in Sussex. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Mike. Hi, Mike. Yeah. Um, can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. You're on the air. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a medical courier. I live in Sussex, and I'm actually on my way to work also. <clears throat> and I see, I would say, 35 to 40%, and not just in Milwaukee. I see it out mm-hmm. here. And I'm, and I'm thinking just what Giuliani did, that's the little steps that need to be taken. Do that first. Start pulling people over. I guarantee you'll get some arrests. You'll get some no insurance compliances. You will have with warrants. Because why would you not have tags on your car? There's a reason. Either they've been taken, you don't have a driver's license. There's so many reasons that that yeah. person should be pulled over. I guarantee that's where you start. Yeah, Mike, thanks to call. You're, you're, you're exactly right. There, there's Okay, why don't you have license plates on your cars? And, and, and out of 100 reasons, I would say probably 98% are not legitimate. You know, maybe it's, oh, I, what do you mean? I don't have the plate. Somebody might have stole it, and I didn't notice it. Okay, maybe that's the case, but that's, that's not going to be the situation. Jeff, I was in a hit-and-run accident recently. The car that hit me had, quote-unquote, plates, but they were fake dealer plates. The officer on the scene knew immediately that they wouldn't catch 
catch the car. If he'd been pulled over sooner, maybe he would have been off the road, maybe not, but it's a frustrating, um, you know, situation there. Jeff, if not register, the person has no license, you tow the car um, like they do in Pennsylvania. Then it costs you money to get it registered, paid for towing and fines, hit them in the pocket. Stephen Greenfield texts, Jeff, I see many, many cars without license plates, usually in the city of Milwaukee, but I'm not sure it's limited to Milwaukee. That would be my comment. I'm sure they also have no insurance, no driver's license. I believe the car should be impounded immediately. Jeff, this has been an irritation of mine for a while, along with dark tinted windows. Over a year ago, I noticed the increase in cars with no plates. On the way home from work one day, I was at a red light. I counted the number of cars passing through the intersection. Seven cars during the time the light was red. The intersection was 76th and Bradley. This is, you know, everybody's noticing this. Jeff, everywhere you look, there are cars without plates. Why do I have to pay extra to park in Milwaukee? And then these people seem to get away without paying. Doug says, I've noticed it for a couple years. It's up here in Sheboygan, too. I guess the police don't care about it either. It makes no sense. Well, I mean, again, I, I understand the, the argument is to me is, well, you know, we've got all these other things. But but this is a broken windows type of thing. If you're driving around without a license plate, you're, you're doing something that, that's wrong. And you're doing it knowingly, at least in the vast majority of cases. So why wouldn't we stop people? Let's talk to uh, Bob in West Bend. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you today, sir? I'm well, thank you, sir. What do you think? Good. Yeah, yeah I, I think that there should be enforcement, not just for the absence of license plates, but the number of expired tags that I see. But I have to tell you that the atmosphere is such, and we collectively, either consciously or unconsciously, subconsciously, have crafted an atmosphere where I'll bet you that there are a ton of law enforcement officers who will not involve themselves in any self-initiated activity. And I, and I can't say that I blame them. Your theory is because you're going to end up stopping too many of this type of person or that type of person, and it's and then you're going to get complaints about profiling and things like that, or because that, you, you, you you make the traffic stop and this might quickly escalate into a shooting situation. And they're under or the both. microscope and for absolutely no reason. Yeah. No. Thanks. Thanks for calling. I, I appreciate. It. I mean that. See that. That is the. See that's the flip side of this. And I mean I. I fully acknowledge this that if you start getting aggressive with this then immediately you've got a lot of the usual suspects who are saying well wait let's take a look at, at who's being pulled over and by the way my argument would be you, you look I, I don't care who's driving the car it, it doesn't matter whether it's a 72 year old white lady or whether it's an 18 year old black kid I mean you, you pull them you know I mean you, you got to enforce these standards evenly you see the car without the driver's license you without the license plate you got to pull it over um, and, and there, there's no question about it. That's got to be the policy. We see cars without plates. We are pulling them over. No excuses, no exceptions, because we want to find out why. And, again, my guess is the majority of cases you're going to find bad reasons. Jeff, I'm a Milwaukee County law enforcement officer. What you're talking about is a major problem. The problem, though, is departments are short-staffed and don't have traffic union, units. We are simply stretched too thin. We need this, we need specialized traffic unions, units to even make a dent. This does not happen if people are arguing that we should defund the police. Jeff, um, can you imagine 
the um, let's see uh, um, the safety fear of safety for officers pulling over cars in today's crazy violent world of course the cars should be pulled over but how many officers will be shot for doing this well that that ties into what I was talking about I repeatedly talk about that there's there's no such thing as a routine traffic stop I mean you you remember was it last week you had the situation middle of the night you have the sheriff's deputy that stops the car for an expired registration or whatever the p- passenger and the driver get out and run the passenger ends up shooting the sheriff's deputy multiple times before killing himself we'll never I think understand why it was that that thing escalated in the fashion it did but that is that is the risk that, that's there and I freely acknowledge if we start being more aggressive with this broken windows type of stuff that that's what you're going to see happen you're going to see more of the situations but still look aren't we about trying to make the road safer for everybody aren't we about trying to make the community safer for everybody and and maybe maybe like looking at the stopping cars that don't have license plates is is a baby step rome in midtown rome you're on wtmj hello how you doing there hi thank you for taking my call yes sir thanks for calling I totally agree with you, Jeff. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, the police need to go back to just stopping people when they see them doing wrong things. Uh, I have been in three accidents, had two vehicles total loss by people that were driving without license or people that were either no insurance or underinsured. Um, I think that if you would stop some of those people, you'll also find, like uh, the other caller said, that they, you know, have broken the law. Either they are doing something, either they have a stolen vehicle or they're trafficking drugs or whatever. So I think that we need to stop people when we see them not having a license plate. I'm from Pennsylvania, and in Pennsylvania, if you don't have a license plate or even a registration sticker, and they go a step further, you also have to go and get your car inspected. And they'll pull you over if you don't even have an inspection sticker and your car is impounded. No, I no, I think thanks. For, I mean, and I think see the majority of people would feel like that. Now, here's another. I'm, I'm getting, I'm hearing a lot of feedback from from law enforcement people. Jeff, I, I'm a police officer in the city. Part of the problem is a lot of these are private sales, and a majority of people would have every excuse under the sun to give for not having a plate. The problem is that we don't have the time to tow the cars due to low staff and high call volumes. And, and I understand there's a reality to that. And I, I guess that's how I started this thing, saying, yes, Jeff, this is a great idea. And, and yes, you're right. There's no reason for the majority of people to be driving without plates. And it, it's all those things you say. But, you know, we're... We're, we're dealing with, you know, we're on pace for 300 homicides. We're dealing with, you know, 25 cars that are stolen every day. And, you know, where are we going to get the officers? Which is why, again, I, I double back to what kind of community do we want to live in? And, you know, we're we're making political choices. You know, we're having a generational change in, in mayors. What What is the philosophy going to be? Are we going to go to broken windows? Are we going to commit to, all right, we're, we're going to hire more police officers. We're going to put more cops on the road. We're going to say that we're going to be aggressive when we catch people who are driving without license plates or without registration or without enough insurance. Our last caller, Rome. I mean, okay, so this is one of the, like, real frustrating things that's out there. You know, we, we have these rules. You're supposed to have... Auto insurance if, if you drive 
Well, okay, that, that's not a suggestion. It's not a recommendation. It, it's the law. And yet there, there's almost no consequence for driving without insurance. And then what happens is you blow through the red light. You know, maybe you don't have insurance. And maybe the car is stolen, whatever. You hit somebody. Then they're double victimized. They're injured because they've been hit. And then they, they've got no chance of recovering from the guilty parties, you know, in, insurance carrier because there's no money that's there. These aren't suggestions. These are rules. These are laws, and we've got to stop, start enforcing them. And if that means we've got to hire more police officers and pay them better, okay, I'm good with that. And I think most people would be. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I love hearing people's stories. Everybody has interesting stories and all you and sometimes there's people who don't think they have interesting stories but you, you sit there and you listen and it, it's fascinating i maybe we'll talk about this in the two o'clock hour i was um at a party last night i was talking to somebody who who knows tom brady and tom brady announced today that he, he's retiring and i said well how did you meet tom brady he says well it was he said, I, we, were, we were at a resort in the Caribbean, and he said, I'm, I'm in line. You know, I'm at the buffet line, and I look behind me, and I think this guy looks like Tom Brady, and it turns out to be Tom Brady. And so I start talking to him, and he starts talking to me, and next thing we know, our families are sitting there, and we're, we're eating together, and we're playing golf together, and yeah, we, we, we stay in touch. I thought that, that's just this kind of like this, this cool thing that I'm thinking, huh, you, you knew Tom Brady. It's one of those interesting sort of things. One of the things that, that I, I find is, especially in today's day and age, there's, there's more people out there who are, well, they're, whether it's to make ends meet or whether it's because they want some of the, the extras in life or, or whatever, there's more people that are working multiple jobs. And, and what I would call them would be like, like side hustles. I was um, at a bar the other night. Surprise follows surprise. I'm talking to the bartender, nice guy. And, you know, he was saying that, you know, he, he works in the bar um, two nights a week. He works like Wednesdays and Fridays or something like that. And he was saying that his, his full-time job, he sells he does he does lighting and he he does industrial lighting i think is what he was telling me but you know he he'd been a bartender when he was younger and he he likes meeting people and i'm sure he undoubtedly likes you know making the cash so you know he he works you know on on wednesday and friday nights which are two of the busier nights at the particular bar that i was at but but his side hustle is is being a, a bartender i was um out to breakfast the other day and i'm i'm you know, we're just making conversation with the waitress, and the the waitress is a school teacher who works on on weekends. You know, at, at a very very popular breakfast place, and it's just it's the side hustle. It's a way of making a little bit of extra money, and it's um, and, and again, it's it's one of these these things. And I think more and more people, more and more people are are doing that and especially I think you see more and more younger people who are are doing that you know working on on the different you know the different jobs and you've got your main job you've got the job that might be your career but you've got that kind of side hustle that that's out there as a way of either making the extra money so because you want something you know, I, I'm, you're saving up for the new car. You're saving up for whatever. Or in some cases, you know, you you need that extra money to kind of make ends meet. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I've as I, as I think back on, on my career, I never really worked multiple jobs. I mean, I was always 
you know, I, whatever job I had was the job I had. There, there wasn't like the, the side hustles. But candidly, I know a lot of older people who, you know, in retirement, they're, they're, they're doing other stuff. Part is to, partly it's to make a little bit of extra money. Sometimes it's just to kind of stay busy. But I thought we'd, we'd have a little bit of fun because maybe you find yourself in, in this situation. Do you have a side hustle? And, and what are some of, the best ones that are out there. Really got to thinking about this because there was a story yesterday in the LA Times about they were talking about people in their 20s and 30s who are like like avid side hustlers. And you know they were all talking about how hey this this lets them you know in many cases they, they test drive projects that ignite their passions. Um, one of the stories was this woman who she's a dog walker. You know in the evenings and on on weekends because she she loves you know being a dog walker. Another story is about somebody who um, is is really into golf and so he's he's working you know part time as a starter at golf courses and things like that. Partly to make a little bit of extra money, but also partly because you're you're around the stuff that you're interested in. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you have a side hustle? Have you had a side hustle? And what are the best ones? We discuss in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WGMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I just the story that really caught my attention, and it started. I was talking to a bartender the the other night, and you know he was telling me he's got a what I think is a very very good job. He does like industrial lighting and stuff like that, but but he works tending bar at a very popular place on Wednesdays and Friday nights, and part of it is because he likes to do it. I'm sure he does very, very well. You know, he's very good at what he does, and he knows a lot of the regulars and stuff. But but being a bartender is his his side hustle, and there, I think more and more people are are like that. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Let's start with Ray in Sussex. Hi, Ray. You're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. How are you today? Good. Hey, what do you think? Uh, so I actually I actually have a couple side hustles. I do Eat Street and DoorDash, and I love both of them. Well, the Eat Street I actually schedule. DoorDash is the best because if it's busy in your area, you can just log in anytime. Whenever you're available, you can just log in, DoorDash for an hour or two, make 80 bucks or whatever it ends up being, and you're done. And you don't have to schedule you could just pick up whenever it's busy and log in, and that's great. Each street you actually have to schedule. And then on the on the other hand, the wife and I also do catering on the side as well. So, uh, and we're both in our fifties, and our kids are gone, moved out, and on their own. And honestly. It makes it so we don't sit around the house all the time. Uh, so I mean, so the, the money, the, obviously, the I mean, so obviously the money is good, but but it's also it it, it gives you something to do. It, so it, it, there's multiple reasons why you Absolutely. do it. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. interesting. Thanks. I'm not sitting in front of a TV all the time. No, thanks, thanks for the call, Ray. I appreciate it. I think that that's one of the things that's out there. You know, a number of people are texting me, and I, I didn't even know this thing existed. And they're saying that they, they do, it's not DoorDash, but they do Instacart, 
which is, I guess, where you're, you you do grocery shopping for people and things like that. When a couple of texters, we only like to go into grocery stores, which, you know, <laughs> that wouldn't be me, but, the, you know, they do that. Um, 855-616-1620. Let's talk to uh, Tim in Menasha. Tim, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, hi. Um, I, 29 uh, years ago, I started out selling coffee and uh, hot chocolate at Lambeau Field for the church. Realized the beer vendor's making good money and went into selling beer. Been selling beer for 29 years. And uh, at Lambeau Field, hawking the aisles up and down the row, carrying uh, 80 pounds up and down for 10 games. And <laughs> then uh, as of this year, COVID, post-COVID, uh, we are now in a cooler, just pushing coolers and twist and shout down below in, in the concourse. Love it. Have been doing it. People see people every year, and you swear they're family. Well, yeah, and the other thing is, like, like working at Lambeau Field, and I know it's working and being a beer vendor is hard, but it's, you're, you're working 10, 11, 12, 12 days a year. It's not like you have to do it, you know, every Friday night or something. So it's, 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 you know, it's hard work, but you don't have to do it all the time. I, they, I always enjoyed preseason to get in shape for the postseason when we, or regular season when we ran up and down the aisle. But uh, a new world where you don't uh, we don't open the beers anymore and we uh, we pull them out of a cooler down below. But uh, right. it's been busier than ever uh, for the cashless uh, arena. So, oh yeah, interesting. No, I, thanks I, I, do other, I, I do other concerts. As, yeah, oh, sure, I do right, other concerts right. as well. So. Yep. Yeah, sure. I mean, thanks for coming. I'm sure, like, I, I went a couple of years ago when they, um, Paul McCartney was at Lambeau Field. I remember going to that show, and I'm sure you were working that. Jeff, I'm almost 70. I'm bored in retirement. I love working. I'm thinking about getting my commercial driver's license and driving um, seated coaches around. Um, yeah, you, you've got that. Jeff, my side hustle is a security guard for a large manufacturer. Jeff, my husband was a truck driver home every night. For decades, he performed in area bands on weekends. Now that he's retired, the band income allowed us to take cruises, spend a week on the beach, or travel with our kids. Um, now we're a little bit old with health issues, but the memories are there forever, and the band memories are great as well couple people are saying that sports refereeing um you know they, refereeing allows you to pick which nights you want to work and you can give back to a sport that you love we think it's perfect for all ages um jeff my husband turned his side hustle into a full-time job actually that's what a story I was looking at the LA in the LA Times says that some people were doing they were like kind of pursuing their passions and and maybe no, I think one of the examples was again somebody who loved loved pets, and you know the, the side hustle started out as being a dog walker, and then that that morphed into something else. Anyhow, Texter says my husband turned his side hustle into a full time job. He loves that job. He provides a service for people that can't get out and go to the store, so delivering groceries from Walmart pays well, and it's great. Um, he also drives an Uber as well. John on the north side. John, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff, how you doing? Good. Okay, you got a I, side I, hustle? I, I, yeah, I, you know, I, I worked 50 years, and I drive Uber and Lyft. And, and um, you know, don't, don't, don't let uh, the north side scare you. I mean, some things happen. But I take 6,000 people a year. Never had a bonus trouble out of nobody. I love driving, I, you know, four or five hours a day. And it ain't about the money. It's just about I meet people, man. I meet doctors, lawyers, judges. I meet everybody uh, in this job. Take them to the airport. 
and it's a it's a good little hustle, you know. It's it's, it's you know it's okay money, but um, I, I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it to get out the house. Right, right, and to, to, like you were saying, to meet interesting people. Like I started, everybody's got a story, you know. I, I, I mean, I'm talking to the bartender. Oh, He's got this interesting story, and it's all. It's, I'm sure it's kind of fun, and I'm sure you get jerks as well. But most people, I think, are probably pretty decent, huh? I haven't had a moment show of a lot of six thousand people. I mean, I mean, I've heard some stories, but I've never had none. And I, most of my jobs are in the heart of the ghetto. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I'm born and raised in Milwaukee, and uh, you know, but you know, I've seen some guys that would come out with the pants sagging, and I'm and I'm thinking, I'm I'm, I'm overjudging. I'm thinking, man, I'm gonna have a problem about this guy. Yeah. And, and the guy gets in. And I get to talk to him. He's a he's a graduate from Marquette University. I'm thinking, man, this guy big role. So that's right. You, 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 <laughs> yeah, you can't judge. Thanks for the call, John. Yeah, you can't judge a book by its cover. That's it. Yeah, a lot of people are t- Jeff. Uh, my side hustle. I coach high school basketball and golf. You know, both are absolutely um, tremendous. Jeff, um, let's see. They they said you know I um. I got here's a text that talks about I got divorced in the early um, early 2000s, so my take home pay because of child support didn't let me do a lot of things I wanted. So I started working at Cabela shortly after the store opened up in Richfield for extra money. Um, after a while, no longer had to pay child support, so then I took my Cabela's money and started putting it into a 401k retirement. Um, I worked full time in a public service part at West Bend, and you know, so um, ultimately I retired from that public service thing and um after putting in 26 years but you know i, I work part-time at the store yeah, I, I mean i can see that would be the perfect thing if you love sporting goods or type stuff like that i mean some some people aren't constitutionally set up for work in retail but other people are jeff i uh, i'm a retired psychotherapist now i drive for amazon flex in which i can choose my hours and days i love it and i never have to worry about packages talking back or being in intoxicated yeah that's uh, like a like an uber driver might be right i'm not picking up that drunk at 12 o'clock outside the bar i'm i'm just delivering packages i just think this is great jeff more power to people who work a second job i did it for years um to, for my kids to help pay off their college bills we didn't just sit and whine about home about the cost of an education expect the government to bail us out plus it helped develop a tremendous work ethic in all my kids watching me do that so i, I just bring this up because it's it just if you're if you're out to dinner or you're, you're talking to people, like I say, going back to where we started, everybody has a story. And a lot of those stories are interesting. And if you talk to people, what you're going to find out a lot is you're going to find out that, okay, you know, maybe that person that's working as the waiter or the waitress, or maybe that's the person that's, I don't know, delivering the packages or whatever. It, this, this isn't their full-time job. It's not necessarily what they aspire to be. They've got this kind of side hustle that, that's going on. And it's probably kind of interesting what they do and how they ended up doing that. Just saying. Back with more in a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. And this is Jeff Wagner. You know, I just, I, I think I, I love the hypocrisy of this. And again, I, I, I don't want to get back into a, a mask mandate debate. Uh, you know, we, we've 
we've done this for the last couple of years, and you know, people are just again locked in as to how they feel about it. But I do love the hypocrisy that you see. California has, of course, been very aggressive in imposing statewide and local mask mandates. That, despite the fact that you know, even when they had the mask mandate, the number of COVID cases was spiking. They continue to say, "Okay, we're going to do it." All right, that that's fine. They end up doing it. One of the prominent advocates of this has been the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, who's been all about we got to have these mask mandates, and you know, anytime you got people that are in these public situations, we have to do this. Okay, so Sunday rolls around. Governor Newsom is in Magic Johnson's suite watching the game between San Francisco and Los Angeles to determine who's going to go to the Super Bowl. And there's all sorts of pictures of him. He's posing, and guess what's missing from his pose? Well, masks. So it's one of these things like, well, okay, you've got the little people there, and we're telling the people in the stands that you guys are supposed to be wearing masks, but... When I go out in public and I get to hang with the Magic Johnsons of the world and I get to hang with all my other well-heeled friends, we don't wear masks. Now, this to me, again, it's not about the merits of the mask mandate or or not. It's about this idea that do as I say, not as I do, whether it's Nancy Pelosi getting her, her hair done or people who are advocating, you know, the, the quarantines and the mask stuff when they're in their own congressional districts in New York, and then they come down to Florida and they're seen partying, you know, like it's no tomorrow without masks. I'm just saying you, you can't have it both ways, and if you're going to take these positions and not be labeled a hypocrite, maybe you shouldn't act like a hypocrite. Back with more in just a couple minutes. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Well, I would say this is probably the least surprising story from the world of sports in the last, well, certainly the last couple weeks. According to the Journal Sentinel, JS Online, Maurice Drayton, who was the Packers' not-so-special teams coach. The headline is, Maurice Drayton will not return as Green Bay Packers' special team coordinator. Uh, Tom Silverstein reporting, in the move expected by many after several critical mistakes in a 13-10 divisional playoff round loss to the San Francisco 49ers, Green Bay Packers coach Matt LaFleur has removed Maurice Drayton as special teams coordinator, a source said. The Packers allowed a blocked punt that was returned for a touchdown, a blocked field goal just before halftime, and a 45-yard kickoff return in the loss to the 49ers. Several player miscues during the game resulted in a devastatingly poor performance that proved to be a major reason why the Packers were eliminated. That That's all true. But in fairness, it wasn't just one bad game. The, the, the Packers special teams have been a dumpster fire for several years. And, you know, you, you can argue that it's not just the coach. But at the same time, you, you can't fire the whole team. I think you can make a strong argument that the general manager never gave the coach the type of special team players that you, you needed. So there's all sorts of things. So there's a lot of blame to go around. But you, you can't fire everybody. And it's, it's not just that game. The story in the Journal Sentinel continues. Drayton's units, that would be the coach, ranked 32nd in the Rick Gosline special teams rankings. Uh, if you are wondering how many teams there are in the NFL, that would be 32. <laughs> so they're 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 dead 
last. And, and the truth of the matter is everybody's known that this has been a problem. I, I sent out a tweet about this a, a while ago. I remember doing one of our, our Packers watch parties. It was Sunday night in um, early December, I think. It was the night game they were playing the Bears. And we were at um, a place in New Berlin. And it was one, if you will remember, the first half was just uh, abysmal. You had the Bears running a punt back for 100-plus yards for a touchdown. It was just one thing after another. And I remember standing up in front of the audience and saying, you know, who's with me? If, if I'm the coach, I'm firing the special teams coach at halftime. He doesn't even come out um, of the locker room. And I think most people agreed with me at that time. But they didn't fire him. They let him continue. And, you know, you, you had this pattern of blocked field goals and kickoff returns and just, just abysmal stuff. And finally it caught up to him. I think the Packers thought with their defense and with Aaron Rodgers and with Devontae Adams, they were good enough to have the worst special teams unit in the league well now that it, it catches up to you in close games and when you're playing at home and you're only able to score you know 10 points but on the other hand you have a punt blocked and you have a field goal blocked wasn't enough Drayton's units ranked 32nd in the Rick Gosline special teams rankings but Silverstein writes the Packers didn't give him much help especially on kickoffs returns and long snappings um, yeah. However, the rankings don't consider those things, and it would have been difficult for LaFleur to justify keeping the status quo on special teams. Yeah, you never like to see people lose their jobs. That That's that's it. And I think, you know, it's always when you have epic failures, and let's face it, the Packers special teams were an epic failure. You, you always feel bad about that. It's never just one particular problem, but at the same time, you know, there, there's no way they could have brought him back. Just, I don't think there's any way they could have brought him back. And now, you know, you're trying to upgrade. There's a number of special teams coaches that are on the market who um, either lost their jobs in reshufflings because their head coach got fired or whatever, and not surprisingly, because the Packers rated dead last in special teams, um, all of them. All of them had special teams that rated higher, so we'll see. And you, again, you don't like to see anybody lose their job, but really, this was, I think, no choice. All right, serious conversation. The um, there's a lot of things going on in the world. You know, we've got local in this country. You've got you know inflation. You've got issues with the border, but. Um, the world's got some real hot spots. The, the Olympic Games start, what, they start this week, and there's all sorts of things that are out there. There's a concern that as soon as the Olympic Games are over, China might use this as an opportunity to move on, on Taiwan. Um, Taiwan is certainly worried about that. And then you've got what is going on in Eastern Europe involving NATO, Russia, and Ukraine. I think everybody is kind of familiar with the, the general template of this. Russia has for years and years wanted to take Ukraine back. Um, Ukraine was part of the former Soviet Union, and once you had the Soviet Union fall, Ukraine, Ukraine became a, a separate country. It is not a member of, of NATO, but Russia believes it has a historic uh, claim to it. They'd also like some of the warm water ports that Ukraine offers. And Russia has massed about 100,000 troops on the Ukraine border. Well, all right, the United States doesn't want to see the country overrun. 
NATO doesn't want to see the country overrun. And now there's this, it's very reminiscent of, if you grew up during the Cold War, it's very reminiscent. I mean, yesterday, the United States and Russia were in a the UN Security Council, and there was, I mean, there were, there was a back and forth that would remind you of stuff that happened in the 50s and 60s and the, the 70s. And the Americans said, look, you know, Russia, you are endangering peace. You're destabilizing, destabilizing global security by putting 100,000 troops on the border. Uh, Russia says, nah, this is just, it's, U.S. is fear-mongering. They're trying to provoke an armed conflict. They're aimed at, at weakening us. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is a very, very real issue, and it's a very, very real problem. If the USSR, if Russia moves in and, and takes over Ukraine, Ukraine is not going to be able to resist on its own. That That's the... That, that's the reality. So the U.S. has a couple choices. The U.S., with NATO allies, can put in ground troops in an effort to resist, and then you get into a shooting war with Russia. The U.S. can provide arms to Ukraine and, you know, hope that the Ukrainians can use those arms to fight off the, the Russians. Who knows if that's going to happen? The U.S. and NATO can impose economic sanctions that, that can, you know, really, really hurt Russia. They can, um, you know, target Russian banks and companies and imports if Ukraine is attacked. So, but that, of course, runs the risk of destabilizing, you know, world economies. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. There's not really any sort of good answer, but this is a major issue. So here's the question. All right, how important is this to the United States? And if Russia does, in fact, start to move into Ukraine, what does the U.S. do? 855-616-1620. Biden is talking about, you know, he's got troops mobilized in the area, certainly hasn't made a commitment to, to send those troops in. And after his response in Afghanistan, you it's difficult to see how Joe Biden would commit to send troops in. Should he? What do we do? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Can't figure out what to get your sweetheart this Valentine's Day? We can help. WTMJ Steve Scafidi will send your loved one a personalized video message. He can sing. He can dance. He can even recite a poem. Huh. Personalized Valentine's Day messages from Steve Scafidi himself. Hmm. With all proceeds benefiting Best Buddies Wisconsin. Request yours today at WTMJ.com or text CARES to 855-616-1620. That's WTMJ CARES, sponsored by Gruber Law Offices and Welke's Milwaukee Florist. He can sing, he can dance, or even recite a poem. Who knew? Who knew that Scafidi could do all that? 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, th- this this is a mess in, in Eastern Europe because on the one hand, you, you say, all right, 
who cares about the Ukraine? Who cares about Ukraine in the, the, the big picture? I mean, what does it mean anything significant for, you know, the United States' interest? Um, on the other hand, you, you obviously don't want Russia to move in and, and take over a, a country, or do you? 855-616-1620. Jeff, I think there will be very little societal will to protect Ukrainian borders with U.S. combat troops. While I understand the need to stand up to Russian bullies, Ukraine is very far away. As for NATO allies, Germany needs Russian natural gas and will not fight over Ukraine. That's a really interesting issue because, you know, Germany is bringing in gas from Russia and, you know, how much how much economically Germany is going to be willing to hurt Russia when they depend on that gas is quite of a different factor. Jeff, I hope I don't sound ill-informed when I ask this, but can you or someone else tell me what Ukraine has to offer the United States? I understand the NATO aspect of it, but if the United States history has taught me anything, if we're all attempt if all we're attempting to do is halt the spread of communism, I don't really see a point for all of us to get involved, just like Afghanistan two decades ago. Um Jeff, we convinced Ukraine to get rid of their nuclear weapons with the promise that we would help them if anything ever happened militarily. So now I believe we are obligated to help them with troops and equipment. Jeff, whatever the U.S. does, they better do it in lockstep with NATO. We should send troops in if we're willing to risk nuclear war. There aren't any easy answers equating our lousy expert uh, exit from Afghanistan to this situation is moot. Well, no, it's not. It's not moot. It's, you know, one of the lessons we need to learn, I think, is that you, you never you never get into something unless you have a clear idea as to what victory is and 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 then what is the exit strategy going to be so if russia invades ukraine are we going to get into a shooting war with russia in that are we going to put american troops at risk and then then what is in fact okay what what's the the exit strategy are we going to commit us troops to i don't know there for the, the next 3 or 4 years in a shooting war i i just i don't i don't see military intervention as being on the table I, I, I just don't. Now, that's not to say that there's not all sorts of things that you could do to really penalize Russia significantly in the form of economic sanctions. The question is, does Putin care about that? 855-616-1620. Ken in Wauwatosa. Ken, you're first. Good afternoon. Hello? Hi, Ken. Good afternoon. Hey, how are you? Sorry, I didn't hear the click over. Um, so my question, my first question actually would be, what does the Ukraine want? What do they want from us? Do they want boots on the ground in their borders. Do they just want military aid? Do they want us to just stand by on the ready? What I mean, they, they've claimed obviously they're 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 neutral, their neutrality, they're sovereign. They don't want really anything to do with with us. They don't want anything to do with Russia. They just want to be them, right? So. Right. What are, are we are we forcing our opinions, our wants, our you know our security ideas of of that area onto them? I guess that would be my first question. Maybe you guys, I mean, you would have a better insight uh-huh. of that. Um, uh, what what does Ukraine want? And and then we go from there. Like I, I feel like we we don't always have to carry the biggest stick or the biggest boot. Like you know, I the other which you were reading off the text was you know NATO has to be on board with us. I mean, we can't right. always be leading leading the charge and because we don't even know what the charge is what do they want and then we i guess we can go from there if if they don't want our boots 
on their ground and they just want military support, then that's what we give them. That That is what we promised them. Uh, it, it's just, you know, specifically when we had the nuclear arm agreement, it didn't say specifically that we had to have troops in the borders. It just said they need our help. Well, is right. this if our Ukraine help? Is this what they want? Right. Well, but if let, let, let's let's take that out the next step. So let's say Ukraine says that even with American military help, you, you send us the tanks, you send us the the anti tank missiles, the, you know, all that sort of stuff. We're going to be overrun by Russia. We we can't stand up sure. to them, and so we want. Yep. We want the boots on the ground. We want 50,000 NATO troops to come in and help defend our cities. What do you do then? Okay. That's a, then, then that is a country that is reaching out for assistance to the world, and, and that's a viable uh, situation. Then, then, then I feel like that's something that Putin would then need to be like, hey, this is what Ukraine is asking for, and if you invade, this is what we're going to do. So know that this is the repercussion. We will have troops in the borders and we will defend ukraine but it has to be ironclad you know like hey the world needs to know that ukraine is asking for us to physically be in their borders so that there is no mistake across the world to go well i don't know he said you know she said he said did they do this did they violate airspace did they not you know that so there's always that gray area but i guess that's if it's ironclad they want us in their borders then I think it's then it's easy for NATO to go. Okay, we're there now. You're right with the exit strategy. From there, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, thanks. Thanks to call. No, I appreciate. It. No, no. I mean, and there's no good answer to this. Eric in uh, Stone Lake. Eric, you're on WTMJ. Yeah. Hey. Thanks for taking my call. You know, I sure. think that like what a lot of people aren't taking a look at is after the whole Afghanistan debacle uh, with, with, with the withdrawal. Uh, the world is looking at the United States and trying to figure out, okay, what is, what is the United States' response to Ukraine going to be? I mean, Ukraine has obviously moved, you know, towards, you know, a Western line of thought as to, you know, how their government is going to be run. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you're taking a look at it from a European perspective and a NATO perspective, but a lot of other folks aren't realizing China is also observing what's going on here. And if there is no response, a very heavy response, doesn't have to be troops on the ground, but if there is not a response in the United States, it will further empower China to de- further destabilize the Pacific area with a possible takeover of Taiwan. So I think there's a lot of different ways of taking, taking a look at this picture. It's very difficult, but a very heavy-handed response from Biden is, is what is required. I don't think troops on the ground is going to be the solution now. Yeah, thanks for call. I, I I agree. I just I don't think there is a will in this country to having just removed people from Afghanistan to send troops back in. I I think whatever it's going to be, it's going to be economic sanctions. Now again, the problem with economic sanctions is first of all, you got to get everybody to go along and be on board with it. But secondly, it's you know, if you freeze Russian assets, for example, I mean, you have an effect on the worldwide economy, which means you, you affect everybody. But at the same time, you, you can't let them do nothing for exactly what you were talking about, the, the idea that, I mean, it sends a message to Taiwan, it sends a message to China, and it further emboldens Putin. Um, if if he thinks, okay, well, the U.S. isn't going to do anything, well, then, okay, today it's Ukraine. What will it be tomorrow? Not a good picture, and it's it's we live in interesting times, and that's not always good. When we come back, we'll find out what John McCure has on his mind on Wisconsin's Afternoon News.